This podcast includes content funded by the British Podcast Awards Fund and the Wellcome Trust. Their support has been much appreciated and as a listener, I'm hoping you can also help them by taking part in a short survey to share your thoughts on this podcast and others. Just go online to podcastviews.com to answer a few short questions and you could win £50 worth of Amazon vouchers too. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Discovering Dementia. I'm Penny Bell and this podcast began after my mum was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease and vascular dementia. I started to research what I could do to help her and thought it might be useful to share what I discovered with you, especially if you're in a similar situation. Dementia can include symptoms of memory loss, difficulties with thinking, problem solving or language. These changes may be small to start with, but can become more severe over time. In this podcast, one story seems to lead to the next. I'm not an expert, just a daughter trying to find ways to make life easier for her mum. mum trying out a video call for the first time. It's the new way we communicate these days, via a tablet and with the help of carers. The coronavirus lockdown in the UK means I can't visit mum at home at the moment. It's very hard not to be with her, but thanks to this technology, we are at least able to see each other. You came at the right moment because I've been playing a very long piece, I'm sight reading it, at the or at the piano, and I have just finished, so I'm here. <laughs> You're here on a video chat. I can see your face, can you see me? Yes, I see your head and your chest. That's correct. Technology has been slowly creeping into our lives as mum's dementia has progressed. Given the digital age we live in, it's not surprising. But Mum has never really used a computer of any sort herself. We've tried a few low-tech options to help her at home, like a simplified TV remote with just six buttons for turning on and off, adjusting the volume and changing channels. She also has a digital clock that displays the day, date and time, including whether it's morning, afternoon or evening which has really helped with routine and planning. And recently we've added an alarm pendant, something mum wears like a necklace that can be pressed in an emergency to call for help. So I wondered, can technology help people living with dementia stay at home for longer? I'm Lydia Nicholas. I'm a programme manager at Dot Everyone, a think tank that champions responsible technology. It's a charity founded by Martha Lane Fox, Uh, We champion responsible technology for a fairer future. Uh, To us, responsible technology means tech that is inclusive and fair 
and supports democratic society oh, and is sustainable as well. Dot Everyone's recent report, Better Care in the Age of Automation, argued technology has a vital role to play in improving the care system, but we should be wary in thinking gadgets could replace humans. However, Lydia does see some positives for tech helping in the home. When applied well and when used with the support of people, absolutely. I've heard some wonderful stories about people not just able to stay at home for longer, but able to feel in control and part of family life in a way that they would have struggled to without the technology. You know, people where they have an iPad set up for a scheduled call several times a day with the grandchildren on their trips and with the family that live abroad uh, so that they feel part of that ongoing conversation. There are ways to monitor that someone is having a normal day without intruding on them. It's really great for their relatives to be able to see, or this is something that's been offered to them, to see that, oh, well, okay, there's a spike in electricity usage at 9.30, so that's them putting the kettle on. Then the smart plug tells me that the TV went on, and then at 12.30 the microwave turned on. And that you just know that they're having a normal day, and so if something goes wrong you could immediately alert someone or you could just pick up the phone and check in and it's like, oh no, it was just a particularly good episode or a marathon of frost and I just wanted to watch that so I completely forgot dinner. Thank you for reminding me. There are all sorts of ways like that where when it is integrated into a person's family and community, tech can support people living independently and remaining deeply connected to the people and the activities that they love. Smart speakers are being used by lots more of us these days, with the government estimating last year that at least one in five homes in the UK has one. Peter Berry lives with early-onset Alzheimer's. He was diagnosed at the age of 50, and now, five years later, he and his wife, Teresa, find his smart speaker invaluable. Like many... Alexa, have it's lunch. Alexa, yeah. Yes, yeah, she reminds me to have lunch because I, I forget to eat and I forget to drink, so she reminds me to have lunch and to, to, to drink and that sort of thing. And it goes through onto my mobile phone, so if I'm not in the house, I can then pick it up on my mobile so phone. So she will pipe up every time. That's great, though. Yeah, yeah no, that's, um, that's, that's something yeah. that we um, I sometimes get Alexa to remind Pete, can you put the oven on? So I'll ask Alexa to remind him. Mm. Okay, mm. and... How does that work then? You hear, as soon as you hear it, you do the thing. Yeah. 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 And yeah. then, of course, if right. I'm coming home, then the oven's on, ready for... So I haven't, you know, I can come straight in the door and get on sort of thing. Having dementia creates many problems, but it's not so much about the problems. It's about finding solutions to the problems. And then it makes it easier. It's no good saying, well, my husband can't put the oven on because he won't remember. How do we get around that situation? Do we leave post-it notes everywhere? Mm. Or if we do it with technology and if I happen to be out in the garden, it comes through on my phone as well. So, you know, it's about um, creating solutions. I write on the board as well. We'll hear more from Peter in next week's episode. He's obviously finding great uses for technology and it's really helping. For Mum, it's different. So this is, um, it's your new, it's a reminder bell. 
reminder then? This is, it's going, I haven't opened it yet, but we'll have a look at it together. It's What's a, it for? So it just gives you reminders, if no one's here, about um, things like um, that the care is coming at, at a certain time, so that you, if you were thinking of going out, just gives you that reminder. Oh, yes. I, I just write on a piece of paper and a list. Mm. Following a care assessment, Mum was offered a digital tablet to give her prompts and alarms to keep her on track throughout the day. Don't go out today. Your family are coming to visit. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need anything like that. For goodness sake, okay. I don't. I don't. It just confuses me. Okay. Because it's it needs to be straight. It's straightforward. I mean, when when would I have needed it when I didn't have it? Well, if if nobody was here and you were thinking of going out, um, and the, but the carer was coming and you might have just forgotten it, might have slipped your mind. This is just programmed to just a certain time, like an alarm clock, really. Just gives you a little reminder with a voice that says, "Don't forget, the carer's coming." So, but we don't have to use it. If we don't like it, we can just send it back. But I just thought it might be worth a try. There are certain things that I do forget, as that's mm. admitted. But having said that, most of my friends are exactly the same. Yeah. But it's just more things to mm. complicate. Complicate me. No, I, I understand. Councils are using things that can be programmed to give you smart reminders, and they say they want to give that to people living with dementia in order to help remind them of things. But what we found when we spoke to people is that when you look at the reality of dementia and of people living with dementia in context, in their home, in their community, that often doesn't work. If you are at an advanced stage of dementia, of course, hearing voices is not uncommon. And having an unfamiliar robot voice telling you to take your medication is not going to be something that is helpful. We found as well that people were often given technology that was completely useless for them. One person said, you know, my aunt has a alarm pendant, but she's also got pretty advanced dementia and the care workers insist that she wears it. The council's very interested and have spent quite a lot of time setting it all up. But you ask her what it does, and she spends quite a while thinking and then says, I think I press it when I want some tea. And that is not uncommon. That's actually something that's familiar to me, because my mum has a, one of those pendants and does forget sometimes what it's for, or even where it is, because it's easy to not put it on in the right. morning and... Um, so what you're saying is that they're trying to do the right thing by providing technology. Yeah. They don't have necessarily the money to invest in a whole range of technology. Yeah. So they're just providing something yeah. in the hope that that will work, but it's not working. Exactly. And, and often that stuff is quite expensive, so there'll be a waste of money there. Another thing we found uh, was that if you don't have family who are able and willing to support the technology, by which I mean, you know, if it crashes, they know how to reset it. If it needs an update, they can press OK and deal with that. If you don't have someone that can support that, then it quickly becomes just trash that's filling up the house. So making sure any technology you're using is suitable for the person it's intended for is key. Early intervention, providing the right technology at the right time, can help enormously too. Introduce something too late and you've missed the window for when it could have been useful. 
Providing information in advance on what's available will also help so that carers and people with dementia have time to consider what might work best and, more importantly, they'll have a better idea of what to ask for. Other ways to support someone to live independently can be through a combination of design and technology in the home itself. I went to Leicestershire to find out more about a joint project between academics and industry. My name is Eve Hogerforst. I'm Professor of Biological Psychology at Loughborough University and I am Director for Dementia Research at Loughborough. We look at risk factors for dementia and latterly we've also been looking at care for people with dementia. We had the opportunity to be involved in the design of a house which would promote people with dementia, which would help them live independent lives as an enterprise project. So this became a multidisciplinary project with people from Loughborough University, people from civil and building engineering, people from the design school, people who had a background in healthcare and myself. The show house was created to demonstrate how life at home could be made easier for someone living with dementia, all based on proven academic research. It's been open to families, care providers and councils to gather ideas, solutions and inspiration on ways that homes could be better adapted. Loughborough University created a series of videos of fictional characters living with dementia at different stages to help guide the creation of the various elements in the house. The videos demonstrated both good and bad days and were particularly useful. We designed Persona to help architects and designers understand what dementia is because it isn't just a cognitive changes but also memory and planning disturbances making it more difficult to do your activities of daily life. There are also personality changes, changes in mood, which make it more difficult for carers, for instance. There are changes in sleep patterns. So all this information combined, we put into a different persona to help architects understand what dementia is like, how it can vary across the day, and how that would have its impact on design needs. The house has been created in partnership with BRE, also known as the Building Research Establishment, and HLP Architects. It's located at the BRE Innovation Park in Watford. Mum and I were invited to visit before COVID-19, when there was no social distancing or self-isolation. Right, so we've got to find the reception. That's what we're looking for. My name is David Kelly. I'm a group director here at BRE. I look after the Innovation Parks Network, which we have. We get involved with quite a lot of exciting projects and often are asked to take a lead on some really challenging issues, for example, ageing, and how that has an impact on the built environment. The design process was quite lengthy, but that was important because we had to make sure that all the good knowledge and academic research that had been gathered by the partners was reflected in the design and then we went through a process of actually building the property. And we got really good support from industry to do that as well. David's going to be our tour guide. We set out to walk across the large BRE campus, which features other full-scale demonstration buildings, some of which are under development. We head to the freshly renovated Dementia House. 
but it didn't always look so smart. So the house is a Victorian type of semi, like there are very many others in the UK. Uh, the house was very dark to start out with. It had different levels, thresholds, little danky rooms, which were very damp. Difficult to navigate stairs. The bathroom was upstairs, so people would have to go upstairs every time they needed to go. Now there's been a transformation Right, this is the this is the house, Mum, that we've seen. This is the house we've come to see. So it's got different things in it that are designed mm-hmm. to help people at different stages mm-hmm. of living with dementia. So we're going and see, and you can see whether you think any of it is going to be useful. Or... So the lights have come on as soon as we've walked in the door, without us touching anything. <laughs> so the um, house is has got quite a lot of technology in it. So it will recognise when you are in a certain room or the fact that you've come in the front door, the lights came on automatically mm-hmm. so you don't need to try and find the light switch fun. if it's dark. But also what we've tried to do in here is to make it just look like a nice property for someone to live in. We didn't want it to look either clinical or institutional. We wanted to make it look as if it's welcoming, it's warm, mm-hmm. it's pleasant. It's well lit. You've got nice views out into green spaces and the colours are complementing each other. Some of the colours are quite muted. You've got very yeah. soft greens, soft yellows. The yeah. floor is a sort of very light beige colour. The units are a, a light green colour. This is where all that information that we gathered during the design process is presented in, in the home, but it's not immediately visible, which I think is a good thing. But, for example, every single surface and every single colour that's been used, we've done calculations on how the light reflects off of it so that it, you know, the, the contrast and the colour and the visibility of all the, the surfaces and the walls and the floors and the ceiling and even the colours used in the furniture is, remains visible to people as they get older and their eyesight starts to go a little bit. Um, that can happen. So all of these things have been embedded in the design, but again... It's not immediately obvious when you walk in. Well, people with dementia, one of the main characteristics is that their cognitive functions change. So that is in the way that they perceive information. The visual perception is decreased in dementia. It's more difficult for people to see contrast, for instance. That results in an increased risk for disorientation within the house, people not quite knowing where they are, and also because of a change in gait, so the risk for falls is doubled. So we found from our research that we can orient people by using a 30% difference in light reflectance value. So if you consider white to be on one end of the spectrum and black on the other, which fully absorbs the light, then we can use different contrast there to make sure that people can navigate between the walls, the skirting boards and the floors and the doors so that there is sufficient contrast. Flooring is light in tone. There are no thresholds. The wall colours differ. All help reduce the risk for slips and trips. Taps are coloured in case people forget what hot and cold mean. Gentle paint shades lift the rooms and windows are large, giving a tranquil feel to the space. It's very nice and open and just, you know, vision-wise. Vision 
because yeah. it's nice and light because I, d- I don't like dark rooms. Yeah. I think it's important to get that mm. natural mm. light in. Mm. Have you seen the kitchen? Do you want to have a look and um, feel the... Yes, there. Oh, it's lovely. What's important is the line of sight, you know, so you come in mm. and you can immediately see everything. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can see the kitchen, you can see the living area. There's mm-hmm. a day bedroom over here. This round here is a, a bathroom. So it's a fully kind of functioning wet room. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, if someone had to oh, yes. have a, a wheelchair oh, or something very, there, then you know, it's nice. fully accessible. Yeah. But the, the, the benefit, I suppose, in this ground floor very, space very nice. is that you can see everything. You know, so if you're sitting in the, in the, the lounge area, you can see the bathroom, you can see the kitchen, you can see the bedroom. So again, you know, if you are perhaps forgetting to go to the bathroom or you're forgetting to have something to eat because you're not seeing things as a visual reminder, then we're trying to overcome some of that by having an open plan and that kind of visual accessibility is quite important. You can have a sit, sit down if you want. So you can see the bedroom, you can see all the rooms. Yes, from... you can see all the rooms, yes, I understand that. Yes, very nice. And you have a nice view out into a little bit of green mm-hmm. area, kind of garden space, which again is, can be quite calming, but also mm-hmm. quite stimulating at the mm-hmm. same time. You can watch people passing by. Increased natural lighting can be good for maintaining the body's circadian rhythm, the 24-hour internal clock that cycles between sleep and wakefulness. So having enough exposure to light can help people to sleep better. On the ceiling, there's various sensors. So um, this sensor in particular is monitoring temperature, humidity and carbon dioxide levels. So if the temperature gets too high or the carbon dioxide levels get too high because there's not enough ventilation coming into the property, the windows will open automatically. So there's actuators on the windows, so these okay, metal so devices nice. will just open the window. And do they open just enough to yeah, control just, the air? Yeah, just to get some ventilation in, yeah. and then they'll close again when the level comes back to perhaps where it should be. And again, we're using technology to create an environment that should be comfortable without the need for someone to be turning up and down thermostats all the time. Because again... You know, someone with dementia. Or remembering to do it, yeah. So they can be sitting really cold or really warm and they don't, you know, they don't appreciate that's the the conditions that they're in. So we're trying to be supportive, create that supportive environment by using technology, colour, design. What do you think of the open space? I like open space. Well, you can just see everything without having to get up. (laughs) Um, it's very nice. And there's it's a, very nice. The bathroom, was there a lift in this? So we've done quite a, a detailed and quite an in-depth refurbishment of this building. And while we were doing that, we says, at some point in the future, if somebody's living here, they might want a lift to be put in. So we put in the structural support for that lift. Where's that? In the, it's just it? in here. It's this space. So okay. that's a, and that's a full-sized lift for someone to go up and down. It's actually a two-person lift, so two people can get in here. Or with a wheelchair or something, yeah. if you needed it. So for now, it's just like a bit it's of extra like a, kitchen space. Yeah, and storage space, I feel yeah, like. Um, yeah. But we've made, we've made the structural adaptations to allow a lift to be put in. Um, so again, it's thinking about if this was a new build property, you could do this 
and you could use this as a just a large walk-in cupboard or something like that, which you know, people are always looking for more storage space, aren't they? But then it can be converted into a lift um, at an appropriate time. So, and again, the importance of this is that you know if someone has dementia and they're living at home, you don't want their home to become a reason for them to move out. You want the home to be supporting them as much as possible. To do what? <clears throat> Sorry. Supporting them. So oh, right. you want your home to support you to stay there and not mm. be the reason that you have to leave. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's really important. And What about pianos? Well, they could have your piano in here and the space we've made they for They make the a lot of noise. They do make a lot of noise. <laughs> so we can, we can make adaptations that muffle that, that acoustic transmission and shouldn't stop people doing things that they want to do. Let me go upstairs. Of course. Of course. Oh, yes, I forgot what was in it. Yeah. Let's go upstairs. A little hand there, you can grab yeah, one too. Sorry, go first. <coughs> Again, you'll see when we come up the stairs and the lights have come on. So you've got the main bedroom here. It's quite spacious. This is like the main bedroom. Main bedroom. So again, you've got a fully functioning wet room, which has got wide access doors and things Mm -hmm. in it. We've also made provision in the ceiling um, for a lift, lifting equipment, a hoist, for example. So if you ever had to lift someone out of bed. So we've just put additional support into the ceiling to accommodate that. Now, it's not there yet because... Mm. You know, we don't need it just now, but mm. at some point in the future, if someone did yeah, need that, possible, yeah. you know, you could you could put that in. This area is also set aside to do a little kind of tea prep area. So, for example, if you become, I'm not, I don't mean you, but the person who's who's who would be living here <laughs> <laughs> would become less mobile and maybe spending more time well, yes, upstairs. Yes, it's quite reasonable. Then you yes. can have a, a little tea prep area here. There's a second smaller bedroom suitable for a carer who may need their own space and provision has been made within the house for gentle exercise. One of the things we co-designed which is in the house is what we call the Acti chair. At Loughborough University uh, here in the School of Sports, Exercise and Health Sciences we developed a program using resistance bands which we could see improves memory functions also in people with dementia. So I thought, well, it might be a really good idea to have people do these exercises while they're sitting in their living room with a screen giving feedback. So we put sensors in these bands and I bought some really comfy recliners and I thought people would love to sit in these recliners and do their exercises. People didn't like that at all. Lots of people in the lab trying out different designs and people said, well, what we'd like is a proper exercise chair that we can fold away. So when we're doing exercise, we take that out and then you have the bands attached to it so it's not dangerous, so they don't go flying around. And then they'd like the sensors in the band itself go green if they were doing it correct and red if they weren't doing it correct. So if they were doing it too fast or in the wrong direction or in the wrong angle. So you can do some exercise while sitting down, which is always a good idea. <laughs> and you can use these ones to do things like that. Just strengthen your arms yeah. while you're sitting yes. in a chair. Do you want to have a go? Uh, yes, OK. Why not? 
feed it on? What do I have to do? So you just sit down. Yeah. Ooh. So, so you take yeah that <laughs> one. Whole no, thing. Just hold it in your. Oh, just hold it. Yeah, there. hold it there. Right, okay. And hold that one there. Right. And then just push forward. Ooh. How's that feel? Oh, you're very fast. Great. <laughs> Have you taken a photograph? Take a photograph. Okay, I'll take a photograph. Hang on, let me just turn it to the... As you've done, done a little workout today. Yeah, that's the fastest workout I've ever seen. We are very aware that everybody's experience of dementia is quite personal. Therefore, you can't develop a definitive solution. And indeed, a key kind of success criteria for me is not that when people come and see the home and they like it and they, they can see how it would support them, it's how can we start to influence what goes on out there in the real world. You know, not just in terms of people who are living at home just now who want to adapt their own homes, but also for new build properties. You know, what are we building? You know, we might be building things just now that will cause us a problem in the future if we don't think about the fact that people's needs will change because people are living longer and we have that demographic shift. So... As they're building new homes now, you're encouraging people to put in place spaces or areas that could be converted or changed in the future. Exactly, exactly. So it's thinking about not only you know how the building is going to function just now, but how the building will function for the for the period of time then somebody might be living in it. But at the moment, to change those types of, of features in, a, in an existing home can be quite expensive, they're quite disruptive and can be a real barrier to people who have dementia to stay at home for as long as they can. We need to understand that people are living longer and their needs are going to change um, if we want them to live at home for longer. So we need to build capacity into new built housing as well as existing housing to reflect that, that changing need. That ambitious plan could allow people living with dementia to remain at home for longer in the future alongside the use of different technologies and design features. Whilst we may not all be able to alter the structure of our houses right now, there are some changes we've seen that could be fairly easily done. Altering flooring or soft furnishings, giving walls a lick of paint using special dementia colour palettes, or perhaps putting in brighter light bulbs. I'm hopeful that alongside these things, Technology can help a person living with dementia to stay at home for longer, but it needs to be tailored to the individual person to make sure it's actually helping them in their day-to-day -day life. There's no quick fix or one solution for all. Sometimes the simplest solutions work best, as Lydia from Dot Everyone explains. Well, we had one great story of a man who had become very resistant to taking a shower he really found that sensorily overwhelming and unpleasant. And that was impacting his care and his relationships because his hygiene was suffering. He was then put into a scheme where people came in and gave a holistic assessment of what you need, how could we help with that using technology. And they found that what he really liked was parties and he still liked to dance. So they got him a waterproof shower radio. So rather than showering being a struggle every morning that takes up half an hour of a care professional's time and that leaves him distressed, it's now something that he looks forward to. That costs like £8 on Amazon, right? And that changed his life. You've been listening to Discovering Dementia. 
thank you to all who took part in this episode and to the British Podcast Awards Fund and the Wellcome Trust for their support in funding the content. Please do share your views on the podcast and complete the survey at podcastviews.com. To get in touch, say hello on Instagram at Discovering Dementia. Join the Facebook group at Dementia Podcast and check out Twitter at the same address. Discovering Dementia was produced and presented by Penny Bell with additional editing by Chika Ayres and original music by Leila Mitwali.